I didn't mean to get ahead of you. Not a problem. I just looked and it wasn't listed as well. Just what we were going to, which is long. Are we ready to get back? Yeah. Well, actually. <laughs> All right, so we looked at uh, uh, verse 27 uh, briefly before the break. Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord yes. in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And Charlie uh, helpfully uh, referenced Hebrews 10. We'll be looking at that immediately following the reading of verse 28. And uh, let's read verse 29 too. So could someone read those two verses, please? 28 and 29. So again, you know, unworthy, uh, eating and drinking in an unworthy manner um, has to do with not discerning the body. Right, not discerning the body, and uh, of course not discerning the blood. Too. So, um, an unbeliever certainly is unqualified; would be unworthy in receiving the Lord's Supper. You know, and, and oftentimes you'll, you'll get this with reference to, uh, you know, to Christians. Well, who determines what an unworthy manner is? Who determines, you know, what discerning the body is? Uh, God does. Yeah. So what, what is the connection then between um, God's authority to do that and the church, i.e. through or the congregation through the pastor saying no to someone concerning the Lord's Supper? Well, the church responds to the pastor. He don't want to you know he's going against God. Which did he get for me somebody and don't want to be part of his conscience if he believes something in Realize you, get some money. Yeah. you know, I, I, I've said this before, one of the worst things that a, that a parent can do, or, or maybe the, one of the clearest examples of a parent not loving their child is letting them do whatever they want. Yeah. Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And this is, you know, I, I think there is a, a parallel somewhat in, in many many a Christian congregation, it's not it's not God who is determining the thing. Yeah. It's the people. Mm-hmm. It's not the parent who is determining, you know, for their child, it's the child who makes the decisions. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times. You know, and, and yes, you know, I, I think as a parent, and I can speak from experience here, you, you want to be nice, you wanna uh, but sometimes you have to put your foot down, right? Because if you don't you know, uh, not only might they walk all over you, um, but you're 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 redeeming your your responsibility as a parent for their for their uh, benefit. I have to tell you, when I was down there visiting my dad, I said, "Thanks, Dad, for spanking me so much when I needed it." <laughs> and he just looked at me like, "Well, okay." <laughs> like, really, Dad, you would. So he didn't say, "Oh, I was glad to do that." <laughs> 
Charlene, it hurts Taylor. me worse than you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, we all got it. Okay, thanks for messing up, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, like somebody, like his jaw yeah. just Really, Dad? Thanks for spanking me. Yeah, Dad is You start recognizing those kind of things later, right? When you have yeah. your own kids. And, yeah, right. You know. My kids have not thanked me yet, but yeah. they will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carly's always telling me, I'm so sorry, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Lord's Supper, um, yeah, you know, and, and you know, so so the the pastor's responsibility is given by God through the congregation um, is to say no to those who are, you know, considered unworthy, right? Um, those who are uh, not discerning the body and the blood of the Lord, which would include, of course, those from various fellowships that do not believe what the Bible teaches concerning what the Lord's Supper actually is. On the same, at the same time, and, and this is this is a struggle for pastors too, um, because you know, and, and for congregations who seek to be faithful to the Lord and and, and His Word and the supper that He gives, because uh, we want to say it in, in the, the the gentlest way possible, I think, um, not to cause offense by how we say something, uh, but but generally speaking, people will be offended by just speaking. Um, for various reasons, because you know there there is this false idea out there that all Christians are somehow united, and we are through faith in Christ alone. But that unity is expressed by means of doctrines, by means of confession. And those who believe, teach, and confess differently than the Bible teaches, we must make distinction. On the other hand, uh, there's also the uh, the headache. You know that, that that can be experienced by pastors for for refusing communion to someone who should have taken it. You know, so there's that side of it too. You know, so you know, how do you determine? You know, I, I think this is uh, you know one way of, of uh, not doing this properly is to say, okay, you have to stop sinning in order to commune. Oh boy. Uh, we don't want to. Yeah, because what is the Lord's Supper for? Yeah. It's not for the righteous, it's for sinners, right? Now, uh, but we do make a distinction, do we not, between saying, okay, um, one who has committed sin as they are repentant, yes, they are able. We make a distinction between one who is repentant from one who is not repentant. In other words, one who is sorry for their sins, you know, and is in fellowship with us. Um, you know, in all other respects, they're sorry for their sins. They want to do better. Uh, they seek God's mercy in Christ. Um, they know what the Lord's Supper is. You know, um, then they are they are properly prepared in, as they are sorry for their sin. But one who says that they're in confession with us, but is not sorry for their sin, they're not in. Yeah, they they should not be partaking. No. Um, now that is to say that 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 is not to say that the pastor knows everyone who is repentant or not repentant. You know, um, we we are not as those fellowships who say, well, everyone who is a member here is a Christian. Hmm. You know, some say, of course, you've probably heard this before, that that um, everyone who comes to this church is a Christian. Um, some fellowships will say that. Hmm. You know. Um, 
we don't know what's in the heart. We, we, we can, um, you know, what we go by and what we're able to go by, because we're not God, we go by the word of mouth. Right? Not what somebody else says about somebody else. Right? That's called gossip, among other things. Um, but, but what they say, so the confession, someone says, for example, you know, confirmation, you know, right of confirmation. Um, someone says, um, I will, by the grace of God, you know, believe this teaching, you know, um, even even to the point of death. If somebody says yes to that, well, who, who are we to argue? Um, at the same time, you know, uh, you know, we, we would make a distinction between someone who says, well, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, mom and dad were, are in heaven because they were good people. Not that they believed in Jesus Christ, if they actually say that, but uh, because they were pretty good people. You know, now that doesn't mean they're not, they're not unworthy, or they're, they're, uh, uh, but, uh, but there needs to be some correction. There. Yeah. I like the funeral. Monday, I went to a funeral, and the, and the pastor, well, this guy, I don't think he attended church hardly any, but he did, did when he was young, and then he lost his first wife, died, and he was married, he married a woman with different faith, and the pastor, the minister that performed the service said, well, you know, he, she had drug, dragged him to church once in a while. But see, they make statement, well, you don't have to go to church to to be a Christian. You can't be a Christian without going to church, he said. Um, you know, and I thought, well, what kind of a message is that? Well, and, yeah. You probably can if you live 100 miles in the closest church. <laughs> well, I, I've heard, well, I can read, you know, some, some will say, well, I can read my Bible at home. And, and you know now I'm beginning to think I'm asking the question: Do you? Do yeah, you? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I can worship God on the mountain. Do you? You know, or hunting. When I'm fishing. You know, when I'm fishing. Well, yeah, fishing. <laughs> um, and, and certainly, yeah. I mean, there, there is there is truth to that. You know, I don't I don't have to go to church to be Christian, but to remain Christian, yeah, you do. Um, you know, it, it, it's you know. And, and this, uh, this this may get people, uh, it, it has in the past uh, gotten some people a, a little upset, but, you know, can you, how, how long can we go without food, without dying? Hmm? Without water, three days. Without food, roughly 40 days, depending on your health anyway. Yeah. Right, um, and a number of other factors, but but the point is, you don't know, hear people say, "Well, I can go without food for," you know, um, and and there, I, I think there is a parallel because you know it's, it's you know food, it's, it's not just psychological, you know. I, I mean, I've heard of people say, "Well, I don't have to eat; I can live off sunlight," and and those people suffer as a result. I, I mean, you hear about that every once in a while, or. or you know, I'm not going to, like, this is where, you know, and I, you know, with, with reference to vegans, what's the other one, uh, vegetarian, and the like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but your body does need certain 
nutrients, nutrients yeah. you know, to, to function properly. And you, you could, again, you could believe all you want in something different, but you know, you're going to suffer the consequences, right? Um, if, if all you did, well, I, I can live on drinking water all day. Okay, well, I mean, you can for a little while, but your body still needs food. And, uh, you know, if you go without water, I've heard of this, that if you go without water, you know, for a long period of time, you're dehydrated and you eat food, your body isn't going to accept it. Because no. your body needs water to, to digest I had that experience in Korea. Yeah. I, I got dehydrated one really, really hot day working yeah. on the flight line. Yeah. And I went to try and eat supper and I couldn't keep anything down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, so, so for someone to say, you know, I, I don't need to go to church in order to remain Christian, that's, that's a denial of reality, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so then, you know, I had a professor, I, I think, uh, um, I, I don't think I had him for a particular class, but I heard it up in from, from other students, the Dr. Robert Cole. Um, you know, he's, he's written, you know, I, I don't know how much, how many books and articles and, and the like uh, concerning Luther, but also concerning missions, too. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he, would, he, he was a professor who would ask, um, you know, students would ask a question, he would say, you know, really, what's the question behind the question? Or what's the statement behind the statement? You know, what are the people really trying to say when they say, I don't have to go to church to be Christian? They're I want to stay home. I want yeah, I want to I do this. I can do this on my own, which is not according to the Christian faith, because the Christian faith is not founded on itself. Um, as it's given by God, it's also strengthened by God. So, um, you know, I'd like to, we're, we're getting to Hebrews 10 in just a moment. Um, but open, open your hymnals uh, to 300 and... What is it? A small catechism. Yes, 321. Uh, yeah, 323 to be exact. So, yeah, that's the ballpark. Anyway, but the third article. And we talked about this last night, too, in, in catechesis. Uh, but notice under the third article, you have the question, what does this mean? Um, notice the second section under that. So after having confessed, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ. Notice in the second part of that, in the same way he calls, that is the Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ. In other words, it is the Spirit keeping the faith, not you. It is the spirit keeping the faith, not that individual who says, you know, I can do this on my own. Oh boy. You know, and, and we make that distinction. You know, so, um, you know, how, again, how long can we go without food? What do we call that when you don't have food? Not only hungry, but starvation. Right? When it, it should come down to that. You know, um, do we, do we think along those lines in terms of starvation from the word? You know, Luther had once said that the worst kind of famine that there is is not to have the word. Yeah. And yet it's, it's, it's one that uh, many take for granted. It's kind of sweeping our nation. Say it again. Kind of sweeping our nation. Well, yeah. And, the worst and, kind of famine. Yeah, and, and not, only, not only that, but I, I think also denial. And not only that, but working against the gospel. Yeah. 
And uh, you know that's, that, that's what's so scary uh, about what's you know, and, and why why Christians I, I think out of necessity, especially today, but always praying, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. You know, strengthen your church, strength, strengthen your people, uh, strengthen the the congregational leaders that they stay in the faith because the temptation for everybody, you know, is is going to be to compromise and to not say what needs to be said. That's really a good way to put it. That yeah. just, you see that from a different light. Your starvation of faith, just like food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, what's interesting, you know, I, I was kind of reflecting on this, but, you know, one who is starving, you know, what are they going to do in search of food? Anything. No, I mean, I mean, practically, you know, practically speaking, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to do anything. Yeah, Right? And, and I would suggest that, you know, those who are starving from the word, what are they doing except looking for everywhere else but where they should be? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, um, and, and such is human nature. You know, that wants to deny <coughs> such were some of you. What's that? And such were some of you. Yeah. It just pops right out there. Yeah, from First Corinthians six. I mean, you have to. Did I tell you the time that I, I wrote in a in, in a in a college or I read a, wrote a you know letter to the editor uh, because we in, in college because there was uh, um, there was a, a a quote couple Bob and Rod Jackson. I don't know if you've heard that name, but this was, you know, in the late eight, or in the, actually in the early nineties. Um, no, actually in the late, no, in the early nineties. Yeah, um, took me a while there. But uh, but Bob and Rod Jackson, they were a gay couple at the time, um, and and they they had they they had a speaking engagement, you know, for the university. I don't know who invited them. I don't know exactly why, but they spoke and and the like. And I, I wrote a letter to the editor. Um, you know, speaking long gospel, you know, reading, you know, giving what the Bible the Bible says. And so I, I reference from the Old Testament, I reference from the New, you know, and, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 says that these will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, including sodomites, including thieves and kidnappers and, and you know, blasphemers and, and, and etc. And I also had included in the original letter, you know, but such for some of you. But you can guess which part was left out. <laughs> you know, uh, due to the editorial decision, yeah. you know, to leave it out, the gospel was left out. You know, so so then what comes across? Okay, these Christians are just condemnatory. Yeah. You know, they have they have no other uh, no other words to say except you shouldn't do that because it's wrong. You know, and uh, and, and many still hear that today. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, rather than hearing the whole story. So with reference, especially to the Old Testament, as well as the New, but. But the Old Testament, you know, so many will see the Old Testament as, okay, this is all law. Look at all the destruction. Look at all the all the death. You know, think of Joshua. I mean, and that's something that's, you know, somewhat distinct from where we are. But, but God actually told Joshua to take the people and take the land, which he was giving to them through their hand, right? Um, but then you think of uh, Israel wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. Why did they have to wander for 40 years? Because they disbelieved the promise. They said, hey, you know, the sons of Anak are there. They're too big for us. We're like grasshoppers before them. Um, so this thing just isn't going to work. You know, uh, even though, you know, God had done everything for them in the past, there was nothing to indicate that he was going to change his mind. Um, but they still disbelieved. You know, uh, 
And we, you know, especially today, as well as then, and throughout time, God's people have forgotten God's ways and his word and his promises, too. You know, this is going to happen even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Trust me, is what he says. We, we can be home and reading the Bible and doing, you know, our quote, worship, unquote, by ourselves. Yeah. But starting the service with the confession followed absolution. by the absolution mm-hmm. are words that we need to hear frequently. Yeah. And the, the entire service itself, I mean, you know, reading from a, or just, we, we noted yesterday too, and in, in, in member class. We read from Luther's large catechism. And he, he notes that everything in the Christian church is centered on the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ. And uh, his, his death and resurrection for me, for you. And, you know, that, that changes then, you know, how, you know, it, as one believes that, that changes then one's overview, one's outlook on what the Lord's Supper, or what the Lord's Supper is, what the service is. You know, we—it's a hospital. The church is a hospital for sinners. You know, it's—it's it's not a Olympic stadium. You know, just for the training of those who are able, right? But—but uh, but rather giving food for the soul, eternal life, you know, and well-being, you know, like uh, you know, great stuff. Uh, but so many separate themselves from that because they have a distorted view of what the church is, or. They, they have a, a right understanding of the law, but a distorted view of the gospel. That it's something that, that you know, is dependent on you. Or that you actually deserve the gospel. You know, kind of thing. So if I only, you know, if, if I only change my ways here, then, then I'll be ready to go. You know, um, but as Luther also noted on another occasion, um, one who says, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm not going to pray until I until I believe I'm ready to pray. Oh boy! Not scary. Oh, yeah. yeah, because then when will you pray? Never. If you ever feel worthy, and the same with the Lord's Supper. If one ever feels worthy about going to the Lord's Supper, I'm, I'm not going to go until I think I'm worthy. Well, then you're not ready anyway, because the Lord's Supper is for those who are unworthy. Um, those, those who are sinners and acknowledge their sin before God. And, and yet, at the Lord's bidding to eat and to drink, they come for the forgiveness of sins. All right, Hebrews 10. Okay, and, and it's going to be up to you, Charlie, to, uh, to uh, explain this. Just, just for a little bit of uh, clarity, I'm going to go back to verse 28. Okay. Talking about sinning and, and going on right. sinning. Yeah. Anyone who violates the law of Moses dies without pity on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse a punishment do you think he will deserve who tramples on God's Son, treats as, treats as an unholy thing, the blood of the testament that made him holy and insults the spirit of grace. Whoa. And and that, you know, it it, it is astounding because, you know, 
you know, somewhat, I, I can see here some on one side saying, well, you know, this doesn't have to do with the Lord's Supper. It has to do with Christ's shed blood. But then how can you distinguish them? Yeah. Because what does Christ give in the Lord's Supper? His body. Yeah. You know, so spurn the Son of God and his profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and his outraged the spirit. Again, the spirit of grace. Or the spirit of grace. You know, which, you know, that has to do with God himself giving. Uh, and and that, makes, that makes all the difference. You know, and, and this is actually uh, what we confess. You know, uh, what our teaching is all about. And I, I think... One of the one of the difficulties that many have, even among Lutherans, I think, is grasping, believing the means of grace. You know, is it deserved or undeserved? It's grace. Undeserved. It's undeserved. Right. Undeserved. Is Christ's death on the cross deserved by us or a free gift of God? You know, God so loved the world, and uh, I mean, in that Luther brought, brings this out, and I, I tried to bring this out on, on Sunday too. Um, God's love is not dependent on you. You know, God didn't say, you know, I'm, I'm going to send my son, but only for those who, who are going to believe. Mm-hmm. And, and some churches actually teach that. You know, that, that God's love is uh, specific, you know, to certain people, but not to others. But that, lead, that begs the question then, well, how do I know that he died for me? And especially when you come across passages all over Scripture, that say things like God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, um, in Ezekiel, uh, where God says, you know, I desire not the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. If he only meant that for some and not for others, how are you going to know who is who? Right? John 3.16. Well, yeah. The world. The world. Yeah. And whosoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it... A huge difference. A huge difference. Okay. We'll uh, we'll conclude it then with a few words from Luther. I've got this slide, which you see before you, and then actually there's another slide that you didn't get on the handout, but it's up there. In um, this question concerning the Lord's Supper, and this is uh, from the Formula of Concord, we have reached the following fraternal and unanimous agreement among ourselves. Again, you know, uh, just by way of encouragement, if you want to know what Lutherans believe, read the Bible. Read the confessions. Uh, you know, scratch your head. Well, why do some believe this and why do some believe that? Um, you know, definitively, you find that in the confessions. No man's word or work, be it merit or the speaking of the minister. And there was controversy in the early church too that uh, um, you know, it, you know, the sacrament depends on the faith of the minister. In the early church, there was this controversy during, you know, amidst persecution and the like. Uh, but it was determined, thankfully, by the early church that, uh, you know, according to Scripture, it's not dependent on the faith of the minister or on the life of the minister. Uh, it's, it's founded on the Word of God. So, uh, be it the eating and drinking or the faith of the communicants, uh, no man's word or work can affect the true presence of the body and blood of Christ in the supper. Uh, so that means that those who receive it in faith receive it for their good. Those who do not receive it in faith receive it for their judgment. And I think that right there, if we had a, if we, you know, as we have a, a, a good understanding or better understanding of that, 
there's going to be a recognition that closed communion is the way to go. Uh, because I, I know for myself, I do not want uh, someone to commune who is not who is unworthy in God's eyes, uh, because they are receiving, they still receive the body and blood of Christ, but for their harm, mm -hmm. for their judgment, not for their good. Okay, uh, this is to be ascribed only to the Almighty power of God and the Word that is uh, the true presence of the body and the blood of Christ institution of ordinance of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with your faith. It has nothing to do with the pastor's faith. That is what it is. Okay. Uh, so then we continue, for the truthful and almighty words of Jesus Christ which he spoke in the first institution were not only efficacious in the first supper, but they still retain their validity and efficacious power in all places where the supper is observed according to Christ's institution and where his words are used. And the body and blood of Christ are truly present, distributed, and received by the virtue and potency of the same words which Christ spoke in the first supper. Wherever we observe his institution and speak his words over the bread and cup and distribute the blessed bread and cup, Christ himself is still active through the spoken words by the virtue of their first of the first institution, which he wants to be repeated. You know, so he says, like, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, and, and the words are there. Uh, and, and if nothing else, going apart from Christ's institution and his words of institution uh, casts doubt on the Lord's Supper. And, and that's, you know, so, you know, it, it, it's somewhat akin to, you know, one who uh, was baptized as a child, um, but they're unsure that they were baptized as a child. In other words, they don't have a commitment. Uh, uh, you know, a certificate, you know, um, maybe, maybe Aunt, uh, you know, maybe Aunt, uh, Aunt Mary, for example, said, yeah, I think you were baptized when you were, you know, yeah. uh, but there's, I, I can't be 100% sure, you know, generally, you know, oftentimes we will say if there's uncertainty, then get the individual baptized for that certainty, you know, I mean, and, and also with the Lord's Supper, and that's why we, we, we consecrate the elements, why we speak the words of the institution, um, why we give both kinds. Um, you may have noticed or not, a couple weeks ago, and I, I think probably this last week too, there's there's been sections from the Augsburg Confession, the readings there in the bulletin, on two kinds. Um, and that may not seem readily applicable to us in our day, however, the Catholic Church, for example, and that's to which the uh, know uh, the Augsburg Confession was uh, was confessed uh, uh, to distinguish from the teachings of the Catholic Church you know there there is still a teaching in the Catholic Church that it's not necessary to receive the wine because you get the body and blood of Christ in the body itself and that's that's nothing but rationalistic explanation what Jesus Christ said take eat take drink right uh, so uh, you know, but but it's it's a real thing, you know. What what Jesus says is, you know, how we ought to receive it, right? Uh, with reference to the institution. Okay. Any other any questions or comments at this point? Yes. I think uh, if you actually take a look at Hebrews chapter ten, particularly verse nineteen through thirty-one. 
It's a commentary on everything we just talked about. Okay. So you got so, some homework. Just just read those twelve some odd verses. But, read the book. Well, yeah, but I mean, but what we've been talking about yeah. today, this morning, nineteen through thirty-one covers it all. It's just right out of yeah. the book. And, and, you know, thank you for that, because I, I think oftentimes, you know, in, in, in any number of fellowships, you know, the teaching of the Lord's Supper seems far removed from passages like this, you know, that speak of the blood of the covenant. Right. But they are intimately related. You can't have one without the other. You know, and, and you know, so, so in other words, what it does is it broadens the, the view, broadens one's horizon or scope with reference to the Lord's Supper, I think. Because uh, you find it all over the place. It talks about the assembly and how important it is. It talks about confession. It talks about the importance of baptism. It's all right there in those few verses. Yeah. Jam-packed. Yeah. Good stuff.